This is the Sport Market, featuring the bulls and bears of sport business from coast to coast. Here's your host, Tom Manette. The National Hockey League starting to get into the serious part of the season with the stretch run in March just ahead of us. And of course, mid-April, the beginning of the pursuit in earnest of Lord Stanley's mug. Right now, it's tracking that four of the seven Canadian-based NHL franchises will be part of the party in April, hopefully into May and June. Calgary Flames are still part of the conversation, but they've got obviously a lot of internal discussion going on. And you'd have to think that at the trade deadline, they will continue to be the sellers that they've been so far. Having said that, Stranger things have happened in the National Hockey League, including just the remarkable turnaround of the Edmonton Oilers. Yes, they lost uh, last time out against the Minnesota Wild, but the reality is you compare where they're at now to where they were the first month or two of the season, it's two completely different teams. It's two completely different franchises, and the Oilers are basically in a situation where... They can't be ruled out to win the Pacific Division. They can't be ruled out to even be the top seed in the Western Conference. In general, that's how well they've been playing under Chris Knobloch. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, very, very hot stuff going on there. Six consecutive wins. And the remarkable stat associated with that is that is the longest winning streak that the Leafs have had in the Austin Matthews-Mitch Marner era. The New York Rangers, number two behind the Leafs among the richest franchises in the National Hockey League. They're on quite the heater as well going into the weekend with nine consecutive wins. We're going to get into all of that. Of course, it's also a weekend in which the curling is front and center with the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. You've also got the Rugby World Sevens at BC Place in Vancouver. We'll be joined later on in the show by Gareth Reese of Rugby Canada, just talking about the international reach of World Sevens and why it really matters to the overall development of rugby. It's a big Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada, including, of course, on the Sportsnet network, including a rematch of the 2011 Stanley Cup Final. The big bad Boston Bruins are in Vancouver to play the Vancouver Canucks. The struggling Vancouver Canucks, for the first time this season, they're in a real dry patch. Losers of four consecutive going into the weekend. Tino Ferris is in the producer's chair, and of course, we're both happy to have you along for the ride. We're going to get into our opening bell commentary in just a couple of moments. We've got the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits, our top three sport business stories of the week. We'll get into the Billion Dollar Club, Check out some franchises worth 10 figures, and we'll get into some hot stuff on the merchandising side of things. And I guarantee you, in terms of the hot stuff side of the equation, we're not going to be talking much about the Nike Fanatics baseball jerseys and pants. And of course, they're causing a bit of an uproar of the wrong kind for Major League Baseball. 
that doesn't mean that there aren't some good stuff going on in terms of collectibles, uh, signed memorabilia, and trading cards. We'll get into that with our Hot Stuff Merchandising Report. And we'll be joined by the sport professor, Rick Horro, the visiting sport business expert at Harvard University, and our collectibles guru, Ken Richardson, from the team at Pastime Sports and Games. Before we get into any of that, let's get into our opening bell commentary. It made headlines earlier this week, as lawsuits often do. The union representing Canada's national women's soccer team filing a $40 million lawsuit against the 2018 Board of Directors of the Canadian Soccer Association. Doing so to break through what has been a jam between the national team and Canada soccer. It's not the only litigation in the world of soccer. And that's what makes it so problematic for anybody who cares about the game. Any of the stakeholders, including directors of the board of Canada Soccer, including the owners of the Canadian Premier League, who are also the owners of Canadian Canada Sport Business, CSB, uh, the marketing agent, exclusive marketing agent of Canada Soccer. Canada Soccer Business in litigation against MediaPro, MediaPro countersuing Canada Sport Business. And why that's so important to get resolved is these are the kinds of things, legal, financial movement that sponsors, investors are allergic to. And with the biggest marketing and growth opportunity facing the sport in the form of FIFA 2026 World Cup, coming just basically over two years away. It's really incumbent on all the stakeholders to get these deals solved, get them in place so that everything can be put behind those key stakeholders and the focus can be on making the most of the opportunity that is the 2026 FIFA World Cup. And I just can't even begin to say how big an opportunity it is and how if any of these relationships aren't repaired in full in the coming weeks and months, Canadian soccer will have missed at least part of the opportunity. I'm not saying it doesn't get done. In fact, I'm saying it will get done. And we've got some ideas that we'll talk about on this show in terms of how Canada soccer gets there. But the bottom line is, this is something that does need to get resolved, not only because, again, litigation, lawyers, that's not exactly the party the sponsors want to go to. And then just the PR damage that a protracted dispute here will create is just not what the doctor ordered in these couple of years leading up to that amazing opportunity that is the FIFA World Cup, co-hosted with the United States and Mexico, seven matches in Vancouver, six matches at BMO Field in Toronto. Let's check out our podium. Now, with the top three sports business stories of the week, here's the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Own your home and need a loan? Homeowners get approved. Apply now at alpinecredits.ca. For background on the stories, go to the sportmarket.biz. Just off podium, Major League Baseball expansion being generated in terms of interest in Salt Lake City, a Utah state legislator 
proposing legislation that would have the state of Utah invest $900 million into a major league baseball caliber park in Salt Lake City. And there's a lot going on in Salt Lake, including NHL expansion. But make no mistake, with the commissioner, Rob Manfred, indicating last week that this would be his last five-year term, expansion will be his legacy. He sees it, and he's fostering every opportunity. Now, of course, he's got to get the Oakland Athletics and their on-again, off-again relocation to Las Vegas. Got to get that solved. But he will want this deal done and others like it. He'll want competition for what could be two spots in an expansion. And these teams will be up and running by the time his term is over. In the bronze medal position, our number three sport business story of the week, the U.S. betting volume just goes absolutely through the roof. $119.8 billion, the total handle of sports wagering in the United States alone. That's up 27.8% year over year. I asked one year, uh, the, the trainers who make the Gatorade, right, what is the general philosophy of, of Gatorade color when it comes to Super Bowl? If you look at the winners of this and the, the winning color, it tends to sort of depend on which team wins and what color they're wearing, right? If they're wearing a white jersey, they tend to not have colors of Gatorade that would stain the jersey during the game. It tends to not be yellow, red, or orange, because if you drink red Gatorade, orange Gatorade during a game, and it dribbles down, it stains your jersey. Vote on it this way, right? So if you want to, if you think the team in white, the Niners are going to win, think purple, think blue, those don't stain, think clear, obviously, water maybe. The Chiefs, the last time they, they wore red, orange was the color, because orange won't bleed, obviously, into red jerseys. Just have that in mind when you bet Gatorade color, the Super Bowl bear. Now, that's one of the reasons why sports betting is through the roof. There's just so much of an expansive approach to prop bets and, and a lot of fun prop bets, as we heard there from Jeff Schwartz. We'll get into more of this with the sport professor in just a few moments. But our silver medal story, the number two sport business story of the week, it is the launch of another Major League Soccer season. This one representing the first full season in MLS by a certain Argentine named Lionel Messi. Busquets can turn into Messi. Through for Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor saved by Zachary McDowell. It's in! Under McMath. And the opening goal of the 2024 MLS regular season is Robert Taylor's. You've got Lionel Messi at Inter-Miami CF. They win 2-0 against Real Salt Lake. Kickstarting a big year of Messi mania in Major League Soccer. It's already there. He only played 14 matches last year and had the impact that he's had, driving his own franchise's valuation from $600 million to $1.05 billion this year. Again, more of that with the sports prof coming up just around the corner. But our gold medal story, the number one sport business story of the week, the NFL salary cap goes to $255.4 million. It's an unprecedented $31.4 million hike in one year. And it is such a big deal. If you're a 49ers fan, an Eagles fan, or right across the board, your franchises will have a little bit more to work with. Here's Dexter Henry of New York Post Sports. Part of the reason for the massive jump 
is that the league has now paid back all of the player benefits that were deferred in 2020 as part of the agreement between the players and the league to keep the league running during the COVID-19 pandemic. The NFL also stated one of the reasons for the spike was, quote, an extraordinary increase in media revenue. It appears new TV revenues having an impact on league revenue, and it is also expected that with the ongoing impact of the broadcast rights deals, significant cap increases likely can be expected over the next several years as well. Now, every year from 2013 to 2020, the NFL saw a salary cap increase of about 10 to $12 million per year. The cap dropped in 2021 by almost $17 million due to project revenue losses due to the pandemic. However, it jumped back up to $208.2 million in 2022 and $224.8 million in 2023. The increase is particularly good news for franchises like the 49ers, Packers, and the Seahawks, who were initially projected to be over the cap. But now, they will start free agency as under the cap teams now that an actual cap number has been established. Dexter Henry of New York Post Sports talking NFL salary cap. It's the gold medal story on the podium funded by Alpine Credits. We'll get into all of that with Rick Horror, the sport professor, next right here on the sport market where we're rating and debating the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sportsnet Radio Network and the Sport Market Radio Network. Now more of the sport market. Rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. Which jersey are you rocking Hall of Fame if you had to choose Toronto. one? Both legendary stops. Toronto. Mm, Toronto. It, 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 I mean, it has to be. That's where it started. That's where it all, you know, to continue the, the rise. Yes, I had great years in Jersey, but it started there. And my confidence and, and, and understanding the player that I, I, I could be in the league was, was trending upwards still in Toronto. The voice of Vince Carter, the former Toronto Raptor, being very unequivocal, saying that uh, he gets to that inevitable location in the Hall of Fame, it will be wearing Raptors threads. It'll be wearing Raptors colors. By the way, Sportico ranking the Toronto Raptors as one of the uh, 100 richest franchises in the world. There's four Canadian-based franchises on that list, headed by the Toronto Raptors, Toronto Maple Leafs, number two, Toronto Blue Jays, number three, and then the Montreal Canadiens, number four. Now, outside of the top 100, but the next in-line Canadian-based franchise might surprise some of you. It is the Edmonton Oilers, just outside of that top 100. We've got Rick Horo standing by. We're going to do a quick check-in on the Billion Dollar Club. The Billion Dollar Club. The Golden State Warriors may not be everything that they were earlier in their dynasty years, but they still have Steph Curry. And as long as they have Steph Curry helping to grow the business, they will be one of, if not the richest franchises in the NBA. Their value since Steph Curry became a warrior in 2009, has gone up 26 times during the life of his time with the franchise. And, of course, Steve Kerr, who just did a two-year deal worth $35 million to remain head coach at Golden State, also part of that equation. They've gone from $315 million U.S. to a valuation of $8.2 billion. Sports prof, that's what you call return on investment for the ownership of the Golden State Warriors. I remember when Joe Lacob was a board member uh, 
along with me on CBS Sportsline, and we would be playing golf, and he would go into the into the uh, fescue to try to find every ball he could because you know you never knew when he would run out of money for his next set of ball of golf balls. Leave now, you don't have to worry about it, pal. Everything is okay. Everything is all right in the world of Joe Lacob, and uh, in the world of the Warriors. They've done, with Peter Goober, a magnificent job of uh, preserving and perpetuating the value of a franchise that you got to admit was down and out, took it over. Remember when he was in the early days and people were kind of booing him when he was on the court? I know him well. He doesn't like booze. And the way to avoid booze is to uh, do the right thing quickly and win, and now he's revered. You know, one of the best governed franchises in the NBA are the Golden State Warriors. And, of course, that ownership group deserves a lot of credit for it. They've been all about technology. They've been all about innovation. Yes, they did do the relocation and became one of the other Oakland franchises to become a San Francisco franchise. But make no mistake, the upside downtown San Francisco was, you know, a very difficult opportunity to resist. They wind up, of course, now being at the Chase Center, uh, not too far away from where the Giants play uh, play baseball. This is a franchise that has paid attention to detail and has tended to be one of the more tech-savvy in the NBA, which I think is a big part of their success story. Well, you know, my world for 30 years was new stadium development, and Joe Lacob and Peter had the hardest job almost of anybody because you know they, they had to move out of that uh, uh, dump of a facility. I'll call it that. He won't. Uh, and they would have to move uh, into a, a center of more corporate population. But the leverage wasn't that great. It was great intra-California. But, you know, he wasn't going to move. And there was a lot of discussion about not getting public money in California for a lot of stuff. A lot of teams like the Rams and the Chargers ended up coming out of pocket a lot more than they would have otherwise because there wasn't as much public money as there was in, say, you know, Ohio and Pennsylvania and other places. And so not only behind the eight ball and public-private partnership, but, you know, to shoehorn an arena on that site, on the water, no less, he, he deserves a medal, though I'm opening a challenge for him. He may hear this indirectly that, you know, you can't keep dodging me on the golf course. You're gonna got to come clean, and we got to we got to play again because I need some cash. Again, privately financed arenas that should be the way. Publicly financed, that should go the way of the dodo bird. But that's an entirely different conversation, Rick. We're talking to the sports professor Rick Hora, visiting sport business expert at Harvard University. Let's pivot from the billion dollar club and the Golden State Warriors to. Our podium funded by Alpine Credits at the top of the charts. It's the NFL salary cap, an unprecedented year-over-year growth of 31.4 million. Now it's 255.4 million dollars. The NFL that says it all in terms of how strong it is as a collective and individually. Well, I reserve the right to comment on your Dodo Bird comment, but we won't do it right now. We'll pick another day. Okay. It doesn't mean acquiescence, especially since I was in that business of public-private partnership for 30 years. So believe me, whenever I'm I'm quiet with you, that never means I agree with you. So just put a a pin in that one. Okay, sounds good. All right, good. Sounds good. But 
the the piece that's relevant to to what you're saying right now is that the you know the whole idea of uh, of an extra thirty million dollars a team that is handed to them is great for general managers who you know were planning on an increase in the cap but didn't know what it was and the NFL revenues are a gift that keeps on giving you know the the players now feel good about it because effectively that's thirty forty million dollars a team that is spread out times thirty two teams spread out directly with more money available for players because everybody's going to spend at least to the cap and work on exceptions. And uh, when you think about it, the system continues to deliver increases in value like no other sport. And, and, And to that end, in the revenue sharing era, going back 30 years to 1994, NFL salary caps gone from 34.6 million to this 255 million. Uh, it's doubled just in the last decade alone. What is it? A thousand, hundred thousand percent, a thousand percent increase. That, that's listen, it's a lot of money. Double in the last decade, of course. But when you think about the the players feeling like they get almost fifty, exactly fifty percent of the money coming in, owners get others now. You know, everybody's going to quibble down the road at the next contract negotiation, but safety issues, but also what comes off the top before the equality, you know, should the owners and players share in that stadium fund and then it gets equalized or is it off the top owner's expenses? You know, those are issues that are important, but detail issues relatively, you know, players get uh, as much as owners get. Uh, revenues are shared on television and tickets visiting at home. Green Bay gets the same share as New York, and it is a an amazingly harmonious league. The only issue now, among others, is you know when does a Canadian franchise come in and disturb the equity of the CFL? Let's not talk about it. That's one of those issues I guess we can't talk about on this air. What we will talk about, though, just around the corner, salary caps in general. Where are they going? We've got a few bonus minutes of Rick Horror, the sports professor, right here on The Sport Market. You're listening to The Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Manette. Was looking for 34 again. Back it comes to Lilligren. Matthews shoots, scores! Number 50 for Austin Matthews in his backyard. Chris Cuthbert calling number 50 for Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And make no mistake, yes, the six-game winning streak is what the fans care most about. But you've got a lot of additional scoreboard watching on the table as he goes past 50 on his way to, could it be, 70? That'll be a big question for fans over these last six to eight weeks of the NHL season. We've got Rick Horror, the sport professor, for a bonus few minutes here talking NFL salary cap. And Rick, just as the sport professor, want to call class into session and ask you the, the science of salary cap. Are you a salary cap guy or are you someone who thinks that Major League Baseball has got it figured out? No, I don't think Major League Baseball has it figured out. Uh because what they figured out is the teams with the most regional network asset control that can finance the TV piece and get the banks to have a 
significant amount of money will be the only ones that can bid for the Otanis, like the Dodgers, uh, and to some extent the Cubs, and to some lesser extent the Yankees, and the Mets could, but they made it on the wrong decisions. And then, you know, when you compare baseball as the example of allowing sloth, uh, and then the other leagues at least have attempt at penalizing owners, you know, they'll spend high, but they'll hurt their pocketbooks too. So I do think that there is an opportunity for baseball to try to do something, but as long as the, you know, the haves control the dollars and also control in some respects, the politics, that's not going to happen. So one quick thing before your next question, because I know this is my bonus time and I want to do a shout out to a friend who is in your neck of the woods and you're lucky to have him. Uh, we sat next to each other for the all-star weekend, my buddy, Scott Moore, who now is Mr. Invictus. And it is really wonderful that Scott is now driving the Invictus games, which will be in your neck of the woods, I guess, in less than a year. And, uh, He's one of the most amazing human beings ever and revolutionized Canadian TV and came over here uh, once in a while for intellectual refreshment. So how's that for a gratuitous shout-out to my good friend Scott Moore? Well, it's absolutely fine by me. Uh, go back to Scott to the, the mid-1980s as he was climbing through the sport business ranks here in this country, and no question, it is going to be a biggie. Uh, Duke's barking in the background is, is a real yep. tribute to the Invictus Games 2025, and I know Scott will do a terrific job with that. In the couple minutes we have left, just a couple for you, Rick. Uh, uh, in general, you look at this NFL salary cap, $255.4 million. Given the projected national revenue check that the NFL will cut to its member 32 franchises being, you know, let's say about $400 million, before selling a single ticket, like with an empty stadium, NFL owners are making almost $150 million out of the gates. Then you add on their gravy ticket sales, food, parking, local sponsors. Isn't this salary cap growth and the fact that everybody seems to be benefiting one of the best possible advertisements for the merits of such a salary cap? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's not as if it's a windfall for the NFL owners. It is in a way, but you got to consider franchise debt, especially for, you know, the new guys. Uh, And I know it's a bank financing issue versus personal financing issue. But, you know, Harris, uh, the Walton family, you know, a five to seven billion dollar franchise. Uh, look at the monthly mortgage payment on it. And so there is a big issue there about ownership versus just operation. Having said that, it is the biggest advertisement you could possibly have, because what it does is it effectively guarantees labor peace, because the players, though they're not equity partners, they are you know, partners in making sure the revenue grows. And it's not just the salary cap, as you know, it's the salary floor. So you can't have teams that will spend nothing and rake in a windfall. You'll have teams that may spend what they think is a minimum and they will probably be penalized on the field, but that's another story. Last one for you, sports prof. Uh, we, of course, uh, talked a lot about Peacock having one of the wildcard games streamed only, having those exclusive rights. Uh, that was about, I guess, an $80, $90 million deal. Now, Amazon Prime for $120 million will have the rights to a playoff game with exclusive streaming rights. 
talked about this at the time. There's going to be only more streaming moving forward. I think the NFL is doing the right thing in sort of just transitioning a little bit slowly, not necessarily going right to this and, and streaming out of the gates. Well, I do think that the, the, they'll have the hell beat at them if they move it faster. Uh, and so you may want to trade one streaming playoff game for one until such time as there may be an appetite for a second. But all of this immediate conference championships, God forbid, Super Bowl, pay-per-view, you know, that ain't happening. Uh, in America, and you know the Canadian rules too, there would be significant penalties for going out and doing that right away. And Congress still has some ultimate authority over the broadcast regulations. So I'm pretty sure we're going to pump the brakes on playoff streaming beyond one and maybe two, but you know, streaming's here to stay. Everybody understands that. And you got to have a healthy balance between streaming and linear, I think, to succeed in the long term. You're absolutely right. And one of the reasons why a slow transition is absolutely the way to go is within 10 years, you're going to have so many young fans who've been streaming from the outset. They won't see it as an issue and they will will be all okay paying a little bit of that additional subscription fee just to get their full quota of NFL football. Rick, as always, so appreciate all your time. Thanks for the bonus time and uh, let's uh, uh, talk in the next few days. Yeah, I'll talk to you at the end of the week. Thank you, man. All Bye. the best. He is Rick Horro the sport professor, visiting sport business expert from Harvard University. We're going to shift gears and get into some hot stuff. Hot stuff. What's hot in jerseys, merchandising, and licensing on the sport market. Wayne Gretzky, of course, very much in the spotlight this weekend as Heritage Auctions closes the uh, bidding on the lot that is the 16 cases of 16 boxes of 1979-80 OPG hockey, including the holy grail of cards, that Wayne Gretzky rookie card. In terms of other hot stuff, you got it. The best-selling NFL, NHL jersey of all time, the number 99 Edmonton Oilers jersey, the original NHL jersey by Wayne Gretzky. Also, top 10 all-time his L.A. Kings number 99, his New York Rangers number 99, and top 15, even the St. Louis Blues 99. That is how hot Wayne Gretzky was as the great one in terms of jersey sales. Someone, of course, who sees jersey sales, signed memorabilia, collectibles, trading card value uh, on a day-in, day-out basis is our collectibles guru, our trading card expert, Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. Ken, want to get to a couple of things right out of the gates, including just the power of Wayne Gretzky. He was pretty special to the hobby. He was pretty special to sports retail throughout his career. Absolutely. And in fact, he's today. Um, the, quite often the highest valued cards in a collection as it's released even today could be a Wayne Gretzky autograph card or game used memorabilia card and you know here we are a couple a couple of decades uh past his retirement and uh he's still on top of the charts 
typically, if a player stays with one franchise for their entire career, there's real built-in equity there, and that's a longer uh, connection with fans. But I would argue that Gretzky's connection to North America proper is greater because of the fact that he became a Los Angeles King, even because of the fact he spent some time in the Big Apple. Those two big U.S. markets uh, make him a North American phenomenon, not just a Canadian one. I would agree 100%. Um, I do know that, uh, you know, Gretzky going to L.A. in 1988 really sparked a, a huge interest in hockey uh, south of the border that certainly wasn't there prior to his arrival in L.A., and it really helped grow the uh, the footprint of of the watchers and, and attendance of, of hockey games across North America. We're talking to Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games for another couple of minutes here on the sport market. Uh, Don't want to put you on the spot, but what is the way out for Nike and Fanatics in terms of some of the early controversy caused by the open quotes, see-through, close quotes, jerseys and pants? Uh, This isn't going to be... Uh, how can I say, the status quo isn't going to really be a big seller. Do you fully expect um, these issues to be addressed and addressed very promptly by Nike and Fanatics? Uh, you would certainly hope that uh, big companies listen to the fans and uh, you know, and, and follow the path of what people are looking for. Sometimes when you get uh, monopolies it's a little bit more challenging to to see those things happen um, but hopefully things go the way the public uh, wants them to Ken so appreciate it look forward to teaming up with you and co-hosting Pastime Radio the collectible show on the Sportsnet Radio Network we've got Steve Hart uh, talking about the OPG 7980 and Anthony Siriani of Upper Deck talking about OPG Platinum coming out next week. Looking forward to working with you on that. You have a terrific rest of the weekend. We'll talk in a bit. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. He is Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. You can reach him at ken at pastimesports.ca. Next up, the five hottest franchises in North American professional sport with the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, now into their offseason. This is the first power rankings with no NFL residents. We'll get into who's hotter next right here on The Sport Market. Now more of The Sport Market, rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. This is what a lot of the games are starting to look like now, too. You know, we wanted to, you know, um, get more, you know, more pace into the games. We wanted to get more shots. We wanted the game to be more free-flowing. Um, we stopped letting the game be, um, you know, in freedom of movement, a lot of freedom of movement now, and that's what a lot of our games is in the regular season now. They let us tighten up in the postseason. Um, so it's a, it's a deeper dive into a conversation of how we can, um, sure up this game um, obviously from a pair, player's perspective you know it's fun to get up and down but at the end of the day our competitive nature don't like just being able to just have free flowing scoring like that 211 to 186 east over the west at the NBA all-star game 
Adam Silver could not have been a happy commish. He's looking for a little bit more edge, a little bit more care by the NBA's All-Stars. On the other hand, you can understand they're not going to want to get an injury when the stakes are highest in this back half of an NBA regular season. There's got to be continued conversations because everything else about NBA All-Star Weekend is prototypically positive. They do such a good job bringing the summit to the table. And fans are always leaving with excitement about what's coming next. Uh, this year, of course, it was the debut of NBA AI. Just some of the incredible upside that the league sees in terms of artificial intelligence. The interactive court, just unbelievably, how can I say, uh, responsive to fans, for sponsors, for broadcast rights holders. Uh, the color, color cavalcade of that kind of a glass court, pretty cool stuff. But at the end of the day, even though they did a 20% increase over last year, keep in mind last year was the all-time low, even though they did 5.5 million, which is an audience that the NBA and any league will take for its all-star game year in, year out, the brand of the association doesn't get enhanced when you have that kind of a laugher of an all-star game. So I think there has to be continued conversations with between the NBA, NBA properties, the NBA Players Association. And I do think all-star games will continue to be with us because they just are too much of a, um, a a corporate schmooze fest, uh, too much of a relationship builder to completely set aside. But that was tough. If you watched all of the four quarters of that NBA All-Star game, you're a better man than I. I could not have done that. Tino Farah in the producer's chair. All-Star games, you're in that uh, millennial sweet spot. Do you see them being here forever, or do you really sense that they're more under pressure right now than ever before in terms of why do them? Uh, yeah, I would I would say they're definitely under more pressure than than ever before because I think it, it, everybody always talks about how it's marketed to kids, uh, which of course it is. Like I, I'm not somebody who is a big fan of the All Star Game, but I know it's not. It's you're not, not the market. I know I'm not the market, but I think it's getting to the point where even the kids are finding it a little bit suspect. Uh, I mean, nobody wants to see. 200 points scored in any sport I I, I don't think even even in uh, a high scoring game like basketball I don't know there's got to be a way around it even if it's just getting rid of the all-star game and and keeping the skills competition or adding a second day of skills competition the game at this point just seems completely unnecessary he's Tino Ferrer I'm Tom Manick we're both happy to have you along for the ride here as rating debating the bulls and bears of sport business on the sport market on the Sportsnet radio network and the sport market radio network we're going to check out the hottest franchises in North American professional sport and we've got ourselves the new number one the sport market power rankings the hottest performing franchises in North American professional sports Our power rankings combine the wins and losses with the business side of things. Everything from franchise valuation and annual revenues to television numbers, attendance, merchandising, and more. And on that note, 
Honorable mention in the association to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're 36-18 and 18 going into the weekend. Their Forbes valuation, $3.35 billion U.S. dollars. Also, the Minnesota Timberwolves, winners of four straight to bring them up to 39-16 and 16 going into the weekend. And honorable mentions and shout-outs in the NHL to the Florida Panthers, 8-2 and two in their last 10. The Carolina Hurricanes, winners of four straight. Now, the Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks are both at 80 points going into the weekend. The Bruins have a game in hand, but neither of them has been very impressive in the past couple of weeks. The Bruins are 4-3-3 in their last 10. The Vancouver Canucks 4-5-1 and and losers of four straight. The Bruins valued by Forbes at $2 billion and the Canucks valued at $1.32 bill. But none of them are in the Power 5. Number 5. It's Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami CF of Major League Soccer, now valued by Forbes at $1.04 billion and two nil winners Thursday night in the MLS opener against Real Salt Lake. Number four. The Dallas Mavericks are winners of seven straight games. They're playing basketball at a 589 clip, 33-23 and 23 going into the weekend. They've got Luka Doncic. On the business side of things, their valuation, $4.5 billion on the strength of $429 million in projected annual revenues. Number three. The Toronto Maple Leafs have won six straight games for the first time in the Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner era. They're ninth overall in the NHL, fifth in the Eastern Conference, third in the Atlantic. They've got 72 points on 32, 16, and 18 record. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. Number two. The New York Rangers, the other of the two richest franchises in the NHL, are on fire on the ice. They're winners of nine straight games. They got 79 points on the strength of a 38-16-3 record. Their Forbes valuation, $2.65 billion, just a little bit behind the $2.8 billion Toronto Maple Leafs. They're fifth in the NHL, second in the East, and number one in the Metro. Number one. It's the Boston Celtics of the NBA, 9-1 in their last 10. They've won seven straight. They're playing basketball at a clip of 786 with a 44-12 record. First place in the East, first place overall. Their Forbes valuation, $4.7 billion. And those are the five hottest franchises this week in the business of sport. Our podium funded by Alpine Credits. You've got record U.S. betting volume growing 28% year over year. $120 billion handle in the United States alone last year. Major League Soccer kicking off this weekend. And the NFL salary cap, $255.4 million. You've been listening to us rate and debate the Bulls and Bears, the sport business on the Sportsnet Radio Network. The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650 presents the Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson. The NHL and MetLife Stadium should be proud of themselves for putting on a successful two-game stadium series last weekend. Just getting Flyers, Devils, and Rangers, Islanders fans to peacefully coexist in the same facility for a few hours is a miracle. These are the people who, you know, boo Santa Claus, throw snowballs with rocks inside of them, and whose football games have jails in the stadium. Five minutes for fighting with no eligibility for parole. Who's the judge at these hearings? Wes McCauley? 
Every Flyers player jogged from the team bus to the stadium dressed as Rocky Balboa, but they lost to Apollo Creed. Now I'm enjoying the rise of the PWHL. Is Ottawa's Gabby Hughes part of the Hughes Corporation? Quinn, Jack, Luke, Gabby. Wild 10, Canucks 7. Wow, they were really inspired by the NBA All-Star game the night before. You've been listening to The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson, a special feature of the sport market. Listen again on the podcast and stay tuned Tuesdays at noon at facebook.com slash the sport market.